Hey friends of Comic Syllabus Podcast, this is Paul. Thank you so much for coming to um, this podcast where we read widely and dig deep in graphic novels and comics, including thinking about comics in the classroom and across media and into our worlds. I'm Paul, an English teacher and a comics aficionado, of course, and I'm your host. Comic Syllabus is found at comicsyllabus.substack.com where you can also read uh, articles I write and sign up for the newsletter or even become a paid supporter for uh, bonus episodes and the good feeling of knowing that you're uh, helping make all this work happen. Um, thank you so much for those who are uh, some of our supporters. Much thanks to each and every one of you. You make this possible. Um, we're also part of the Multiversity Network of Podcasts at multiversitycomics.com, where you can find other great podcasts, comic news, reviews, interviews, previews, Pikachu's, Steven Chews, uh, lots, lots of things. <laughs> this one, though, is will be a um, comic syllabus Substack exclusive um, for those of you who are free or paid subscribers to the email newsletter. Thank you so much. Um, and I just want to talk about some things that I'm reading. Uh, we will be at multiversitycomics.com every other week at this point, um, but I'd like to come to you weekly because although we didn't meet the very low threshold of paid supporters that I um, wanted to sort of reward by making this podcast move to um, move back to weekly, um, once we re- reached that uh, you know that that low number, I just felt so much gratitude. I feel so much gratitude for those who have either signed up for the free newsletter or especially those who have um, uh, supported as paid supporters, whether yearly or monthly or founding member status. Um, so y'all, since uh, I didn't ask your permission yet to name you on the show, although I might be doing that sometime soon so that I can thank you by name, but I don't know if you all want to be named. Um, I just want you each and, and everyone as I run through your, your, um, your names in my head and in front of my eyes, just to say thanks. Thank you. Um, and, and this week, I just wanted to kind of briefly check in on some thoughts about stuff going on in media and culture related to comics and to talk about some things I am reading and I would love for you to read and enjoy with me. Um, so last week, we talked about Wing Bear um, by Marjorie Liu and Tenny Isakanian and um, just loved and appreciated getting some response and comments on that from uh, Mark Tweedale, who is a uh, you know, multiversity cohort and um, Mark covers uh, Avatar, the last Airbender comics with me in that universe um, on the site, but also so, so much in the um, Mignolaverse and um, other comics and other comic universes and properties and stuff like that. And I just, um, Mark helped me, for example, to to remember that Michael Giacchino's name is pronounced Giacchino. I think I did the gratuitous Giacchino pronunciation or something like that for the composer the um, of uh, the Batman's uh, amazing soundtrack. Um, but also Mark just had a lot of thoughts about um, Wingbearer, which um, Mark is eager to read, as well as, you know, um, what I was talking about last week with the Batman. So Mark just, um, I didn't get to reply enough, but if you're listening, shouts out to you and thank you so much for yeah, just for interacting and engaging with me. I really appreciate it. Um, teacher life has been unforgiving. Um, it's been challenging. It's been, uh, you're tired of hearing about it, but it's been good. It's been really fulfilling and meaningful as well. And um, among the things that I am reading right now is I'm digging into a couple of, of graphic novels that are adaptations of YA books 
um, from the last, you know, five years or so um, that my students have chosen to read. And so I'd love to just give a, a mention of those. I, I talked about them in an earlier episode, but um, just to talk a little bit about the creators, actually, that are um, working on these adaptations, because I have a special appreciation, special appreciation for all of them. But uh, there, there are three, of course, that I'm going to highlight especially. Um, one is a creator named Daoud Anyabwile. And um, Anyabwile is the um, illustrator and adapter of both the crossover by Kwame Alexander, uh, which is a, you know, a, a verse novel that, um, that you know, well, well-known YA author and um, a, a personal hero of mine. Kwame Alexander wrote. Um, so Kwame Alexander wrote the crossover, and then I think there's a, a couple of sequels to it too, called the Rebound, um, something else. Um, but um, it's written in verse, and it's about the these these two brothers who are uh, twins and who are um, basketball uh, players. They're, they're actually uh, sons of a um, pro, semi-pro. <laughs> Uh, basketball, you know, legend, uh, local legend. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm thinking of the movie Semi Pro and how my Warriors got a visit from Will Ferrell before one of their recent games. Anyway, uh, uh, you know, so so a lot of my students signed up for this book as the one they want to read. Um, all the books that they have to choose from as a literature circle book. So they're going to read these together in groups and talk about them and kind of ask questions and have discussions about them. All of them are ones that are, are books that have uh, are, are written toward a YA audience, but also have a graphic novel adaptation that is fairly true to the original. And I think that was important because I'm having them read both the graphic novel adaptation and the original YA novel side by side. Um, a couple of reasons for that. One is because I think the visual analysis of the art um, and, and the storytelling analysis of, of what we see in the comics makes for really an interesting cross-media analysis and comparison and contrast with what's done in the prose or in the, in the case of the crossover, you know, in the poetry. Um, and two, because graphic novels are often more accessible for readers and I think that um, you know my expectation is that some of these titles the students will read you know maybe most of or maybe even just half of the prose book um, uh, but all of the graphic novel and they'll still be able to get a lot out of the uh, out of reading the you know the original novels um, it'll still be rich it'll still be immersive it'll still be very language dense um, but I want them to experience you know the, the sort of the kinds of deep discussions you can have the kinds of you know uh, uh, excitement and suspense and intrigue that you know of a full-blown novel and, and not just a bunch of you know random short stories or selections or things like that that we often do in English classes I think there is a power in the novel of expanding our empathy of layering stories of you know introducing complexity and I, you know I think that there's a, a, a way where um, you can participate that in that. In fact, the group pulls you into that. Um, but if sometimes if the group could pull you into it, but the novel, the language or the density or whatever, or the length, you know, the lack of your time to just quietly read, the struggle with focus makes it so that you can't participate in that discussion then it becomes inaccessible to you. And I think it's a way that, that reading graphic novels 
side by side um, as adaptations. Um, I'm theorizing, I'm postulating, I'm hypothesizing. <laughs> um, can afford uh, students' entry, you know, at, from from different places, um, especially students who are so richly steeped in visual cultures. So <laughs> that's my long explanation for they. The students are choosing to read um, Alexander and Anya Buile's. Um, the crossover that's one of the graphic novels that they um, they chose they also chose another book and i won't talk about it so much here but it's um walter dean myers's um now classic monster um which is also adapted by dawood anyabule um uh they were you know two among a, a bunch of options that i had laid out and uh two that students were attracted to but um so anyabule is the, the the cartoonist creator um adaptation you know a genius marvel that is um that's behind two of the the graphic novels that we're we're reading in class the other one is adapted by cassandra jean i think it's jean it could be jean i suppose um but um cassandra jean has done a variety of comics and uh, and illustration stuff that has just this really beautiful alluring um kind of manga fantasy style um, brilliant prints with colors. Um, if you look up, or maybe I'll link to, to show notes, um, Jean's uh, website, um, you'll, you can just see how, how gorgeous this work is. And, um, and it's an adaptation of Beautiful Creatures. Beautiful Creatures is a sort of um, a fantasy series um, that had four novels, four really thick, long novels uh, as part of it, starting with Beautiful Creatures and then Beautiful Darkness, Beautiful Chaos, and Beautiful Redemption, written by Cami Garcia and Margaret Stoll, both of whom have done a ton of comics and graphic novel work since then. Um, Cami Garcia, for instance, doing some of those uh, Teen Titans Beast Boy and Raven uh, graphic novels for the DC sort of um, you know YA reader line, and Margaret Stoll writing, uh, I know there's a Black Widow novel and I think some other comic stuff. Um, both of them have been sort of very comics culture adjacent and so super cool authors but this fantasy series beautiful creatures um was adapted into a manga by jean and uh cassandra jean's style was just so perfect and so the visuals um a sort of again manga-esque um fantasy very kind of um, romantic sort of post-twilight you know um uh, emotional um you know magic things going on a curse and and sort of this gothic um sensibility it's uh it, it really drew a lot of my students to it um and so that's one of the options as well and i and i gotta say reading um garcia and Stoll's novel and then seeing how gene's style um adapts the book so well and 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 the same with the kind of uh uh Pro, the kind of verse that Kwame Alexander writes, the kind of voice that you hear in uh, in, in the crossover adapted by Dawood Anyabuile, there's um, like a beautiful resonance of artistic slash storytelling style with the um, genres of each respective book. And they're so different from each other, but they're so like um, so much speaking in whether you're in in the in the sort of voices uh the the kind of cultural voices of of my students of our youth um i i think one thing that has been challenging is that the majority uh, it's about 70 percent of my students are latinx 
And so finding um, YA novels written by Latinx um, uh, writers, but and then also adapted um, into comics and graphic novel form. That particular, I mean, there's certainly a ton, and we do read a ton of one category or the other, um, you know, whether it's um, Latinx creators or, or uh, and, and their comics, um, for example, just that Lilum Rivera, Lilum Rivera unearthed book. I forget the name of the the the, uh, the artist, but uh, we talked about it on the podcast a little while back. That's I've just gotten copy after copy of that, and that's just been flying off my shelf this year. Um, as well as you know, Dragon Slayer um, with Jaime by Jaime Hernandez and all kinds of stuff. It's it's been really great, but I just don't ha- I just haven't been able to find that exact pairing of a YA book and a the graphic novel with the kind of fidelity between them that lends itself to this particular kind of literature circle reading. So yeah, I mean the the one um, the one uh, that I was considering was Gabby Rivera's um, uh, Ju- Juliet. I'm gonna search it up real quick um, and. Um, and that was going to totally make my list. I had bought tons of copies. Um, Juliet Takes a Breath, of course, it's what it's called. And there was a really great um, boom adaptation graphic novel. And I think I, I still would like to do it. I, what I didn't get to do in advance is have enough of a conversation with my families this year, um, largely because of COVID. I think my connection to families this year has not been as close or as tight as I would, uh, as I would normally want. Um, because it's just hard to facilitate that with all of the, the pandemic protocols this year. Um, but Gabby Rivera's Juliet Takes a Breath, and and, um, and that was adapted or illustrated by Celia Moscote, um, is a book I would love to introduce to this particular project, to this liter- literature circle reading project, where they're reading graphic novel adaptations. Um, the adaptation of that novel, um, Gabby Rivera's Juliet Takes a Breath, um, as, a, in, as a boom comic, uh, boom YA, and it's kind of an LGBT coming of age novel um, is just so good, and just again an, another really great resonance of you know the comics um, aesthetics and artistic style with the story. Um, Juliet is um, Juliet is a a young young woman who uh, lives in the Bronx and is uh, doing an internship with a feminist writer, a white feminist writer in in, in Portland, and the the kind of cultural. Um, a disconnect as well as the sort of you know the the sort of search for identity and 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 their own liberation is is really just fascinating and powerful in that novel so i'd love to do that in the future as well and then we're also doing laurie hall sanderson's speak um with which it was adapted by emily carroll a couple of years ago and so again another coupling of a tremendous uh ya writer and tremendous um uh, uh, you know, comics creator. Um, and, and I think all of the books, um, but in some ways, in the ways that um, Juliet takes a breath and the way that speak um, from very different perspectives address um, sexuality and experiences of, um, of women and non-binary, um, you know, young people. And then the way that the crossover and monster both adapted by Anya Buile, um, you know, sort of relate very different pictures of experience for uh, young black males 
uh, for beautiful creatures and in how it speaks to uh, magic and um, and and yearning and uh, the sense of of your community and society um, ostracizing you because you're different um, in a very kind of emo goth kind of way. Uh, you know, these books just really speak with, to where my students are at. And it's just really cool that they can engage with it as comics and then engage with it as books. Uh, pardon the sounds of toothbrushing in the background. <laughs> but, you know, these books that I'm reading with, um, with the young people I have privileged to teach um, all are reminders for me in terms of like what really kind of draws students and makes them think. Um, reminders to me of um, Rudine Sims Bishop's concept of reading as as mirrors and windows for uh, for readers, particularly for young people. The ways that you see yourself, the way that you see uh, others in the world, and sometimes the notion of sliding glass doors that it kind of serves as both. You know, you 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 kind of see yourself in others. Um, just this week, there was a, a minor um, social media controversy because of a review of the new Disney Pixar movie that debuted on Disney Plus called Turning Red. Um, Domi Shi directed. Really, really wonderful movie. So we watched it. Our family watched it. Uh, Turning Red is about a uh, girl in um, Toronto who is um, who's Chinese-Canadian, and uh, she and her friends are young adolescents in late 90s um, Toronto and totally obsessed with a boy band <laughs> called uh, Four Town and uh, she really wants to go to the Four Town concert she and her friends do and, and you know they're at that age in adolescence where they're starting to sort of um, pay a special attention to to things like that and um, it, aka puberty and um, sort of because of a family whatever curse or blessing she turns into a, a giant red panda um, that's the movie it's a lot of fun it's really really um, moving uh, and and just a blast um, we watched the movie uh, we also watched the sort of um, documentary about the creators um, about Domi Shi and about the other sort of lead producers and, and art direction folks and stuff like that who were you know an all-women uh, team and this of course the first um, directed by a um, woman of color I believe a Pixar movie um, and she of course won a short film animated short film uh, Oscar for Bao a few years back and you know the review that um was lamb lambasted on twitter and then taken down uh by one of cinema blends editors um if you haven't heard about it you can google and sort of check on social media or don't you know like if you if you choose not to i did it for you and you can spare yourself from that depravity but anyway the um the review was just sort of like you know folks ripped it to shreds because he talked about uh, this reviewer was like, yeah, Pixar movies used to be great because they were so relatable and universal. And now they're just so specific. And this wasn't for me. This movie wasn't for me about, you know, talking about teenagers who are uh, these, you know, teenage Asian Canadian, Chinese Canadian girls in Toronto in the late 90s who were as the reviewer said, like horny for, for boy bands. Like it was just really ugly, terrible, <laughs> but you know, the, 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 the galling part of it, uh, well, yeah. And then, okay. Well, the, the galling part of it, of course, is, is that, um, that notion from this white male reviewer that, you know, uh, because a story is specific, uh, 
and it is specific and relatable and you know connected to the the kind of culture background location experiences of um you know somebody who's going through adolescence and 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 mother daughter things um as a as a chinese canadian person that that therefore it's not universal (laughs) that's so frustrating and absurd and and narrow-minded and stupid and so rightfully uh person was you know uh regretted regretted the review after after all the criticism that critique got after all the critique that their criticism got i should say and they took down the review and issued an apology or something like that and 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 you know i gotta give some credit for that um and you know when i was sort of searching up this conversation i saw it kind of unfolding in real time but then when i was searching up this conversation later mostly just curious to see if people had made memes about the idea of oh i remember the very universal story that related to when i was a talking car or when i when my toy figures came to life um (laughs) that um the first uh site that google's algorithm popped up for me was from a website which i will not give any airtime to but one of those these uh, comic skate sites where their headline was like you know cinema blend reviewer i'm making this i'm paraphrasing i don't remember exactly but it was like cinnamon 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 blend that sounds pretty good actually cinema blend reviewer um right right gets uh whatever um canceled by woke mob because of uh expressing their point of view that this doesn't relate to me you know like just that complaint from the uh right-wing troll world um uh, that you know that uh they that people are not allowed to their to their free speech because they say some asinine thing about uh, and and are criticized for their criticism and so um so you know there is that corner uh, for sure, but actually, that's that's not really what's disturbing to me. I don't think that this might might. I, I suppose I would. I I'm guessing that this cinema cinema blend editor um, does not think of themselves as a right wing, um, you know, whatever we call it, men's rights activist um, or something like that. Um, I think that what they said in their apology. Uh, on social media was something more to the, you know, uh, more more along the lines of, you know, I, I I'm gonna I gotta go do some work, <laughs> like I gotta I gotta go look within myself or something like that, <laughs> or you know, I, I I need to learn from this. Um, and I I mean I like I, from my point of view and and who am I? I'm just another another um, consumer of this culture and media, but someone who's really bothered. By what um, he said, I would I would just say that you know I don't know that you need to read um, volumes and volumes of critical race theory. Although if you are interested, I do have several to recommend to you. <laughs> but um, but you just need to think about this about what just just think about what you said in the sense of assuming and identifying that what what would match your experience equals universal. And that what is someone else's experience, for some reason to you, isn't. You know, for some reason, you cannot see yourself in that. Um, it's too specific. Because just because you are not uh, Chinese uh, or Chinese Canadian or, you know, you were not a, an adolescent girl 
um, gosh, it's frustrating. And, you know, like there are the comic skate uh, people, but the, I'm not actually super worried about them. What what frustrates me is, um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be really frank. There is a, a, a comics podcast I listen to and I listen to them because they talk about this week's latest comics. There's a there's a couple a few of them that I listen to. And, and it's it's not the DC three cast and multiversity. I like I like those guys so much, even if I disagree with their opinions, they uh, they will call each other out and shoot each other down and and um, and with tons of love. So so not them, but but another one much bigger <laughs> than this one, much uh, than mine, uh, much much many more subscribers and many more supporters. You may know what I'm talking about. And the the you know two or three white guys on the on on those shows are just always sort of like, mm, this was not for me, you know, uh, super dismissive, um, especially when it's a creator of color or a non-male uh, creator, or if it's a character who, um, especially when it's tramp- trampling on their sacred, um, you know, white male, cisgendered, heterosexual superheroes. They, they just have this, you know, and, and they want to be, sort of try to perform as uh, good white liberals um, but but then they'll just talk they'll, they'll either outright dismiss um, some really good comics or they'll you know chalk up their tepid reactions to eh, it just I just wasn't feeling I couldn't relate to it and it, that's just drives me crazy it drives me crazy because I think they they uh, put on a kind of critical objectivity and then in very subjective ways will just like sort of write off things because they don't appeal to them or they don't have they don't um, appeal to their sense of what superhero comics should be or whatever um, but even more frustrating and and um, and I think what really I think hurts is just for me like this sense of like wow you know what when <laughs> People who looked like you were all the options that I had, and I'm, you know I'm I'm around the same age as these these people. Uh, I waited in line. <laughs> I waited in line to read about these 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 white men. They were my heroes, the creators, the the characters. I I bent and contorted my sense of who was good and what was right for someone else's point of view. Um, I you know, reframed my way of seeing the world and, and, you know, my, my tastes, my, my sense of what was cool and, um, and learned, uh, you know, a different set of morals and virtues, um, because these were the only heroes that I had paraded before me, you know, and, you know, and I'm, I'm cognizant of that. And I think anybody who is part of non-dominant communities who has to, um, consume the culture that, mass produced and and was available to us like how slim were the pickings for us to find somebody who we could just say yeah i can you know that's that's universal right <laughs> like um it it, it it looked like you so you thought it was universal and then when it stopped looking like you you said ah, it's not for me and i didn't have that choice i had to consume all the stuff that looked like you and, you know, that's the part that's really galling. You know, it's like you didn't learn enough from all of these heroes to consider the possibility that 
maybe now that you are um, old and grown, you should maybe learn from some heroes that don't look and sound like you. Like that that's what you that's what you took away. <laughs> and it's so frustrating, you know? It's a this kind of flippant attitude. And and that to me is almost more noxious than the uh you know, the sort of you know, whatever corner of right wing trolls because it acts so semi it acts so innocent it it sort of acts so benign um and yet they're just irritated you know to the almost to the point of hostility about these like ah these they just not this isn't good comics this isn't universal (laughs) this isn't relatable it just drives me crazy um so we though (laughs) and you dear listener i'm assuming because you're actually interested and you're actually here and after spending uh many uh agonized nights trying to figure out how how will i appeal to a broader podcast comics podcast listening audience i decided at some point i really don't care i don't think i want to i don't think i want to appeal to a broader comics podcast listening audience i want to talk to you uh who are interested in things like wing bear by marjorie lou and tenius akanian um or these things that i have on my on my desk now that i would love for you if you're if you are interested in to to, to find out about them and to read them uh, one of them is um a graphic novel not necessarily it's hard to say i think it's not targeted toward toward younger readers um it's by, published by nobrow and it's called Memories from Limon by Edo Brennis. Um, here's the, uh, I just picked this up a little while ago, a couple, couple of weeks ago. Um, Struggle in Paradise, Welcome to Love and Life in Limon. Ramiro leads the British Dazzle, Drizzle, sorry, not Dazzle, Drizzle. <laughs> British, more Drizzle than Dazzle. R- Ramiro leaves the British Drizzle and his beloved fiance Yasta uncovers family history back home in Costa Rica. Looking through a stack of family albums and interviewing the older generations, he begins to unravel the fascinating stories behind the faded photographs. However, this treasure trove of old family portraits leads Ramiro down a winding path of revelation, superstitions, and hidden truths. Some will make him laugh, and some will change his life forever. Set in one of the most beautiful countries in Latin America, author Edo Brenes weaves together the heartbreaking and humbling stories of three generations of the same family. I was pretty sold on this, um, just no brow <laughs> publishes good stuff continually um and i haven't gotten far into it so I'm not ready to fully review it but i think i'm going to talk about it next week um it's really good really great art um, check it out um memories from limon is that one is, is that one and then another one is um published uh by harper alley um and it's girl on fire and if that name rings a bell it's because it's actually written by alicia keys i love alicia keys and uh co-written by andrew weiner and illustrated by the inimitable Brittany williams Brittany williams has um provided the art for a bunch of cool comics which i'm about to name at once i'm reminded of them by looking at the author info already some of my like some really really cool things that i'm about to tell you once i find it when i open the page to no no i'm going to go to the google because i can't find anything on the book jacket here oh, remind me the name the comics that Brittany williams is. 
Brittany Williams <laughs> has done Patsy Walker. Yes, a.k.a. Hellcat for Marvel. And Goldie, Goldie, Goldie Vance with Hope Larson at, at Boom. Of course, Brittany Williams, such a great creator. Um, I'm sorry, I couldn't remember that. It was Patsy Walker, Hellcat, and Goldie Vance. Um, Girl on Fire, by written by Alicia Keys and co-written by Andrew Weiner and illustrated by R- Brittany Williams, the um, artist of things like Patsy Walker, Hellcat, and Goldie Vance. Um this is a cool graphic novel that came out a couple weeks ago as well. Um, Lolo Wright's brother is accosted by pol- by police for a crime he didn't commit. And um, Lolo knows that she must act, take care of her brother, and then um, finds out when she d- goes to protect him. Powers. Powers from out of her mind. So this is good, and uh, it, it looks really good, and I've read, again, just a, a little bit of it. I'm excited to talk about it next week. Pick that up and check that out if you want to read with me, and uh, love to hear your thoughts about it, too, if you send them to me. By whatever means, uh, you can uh, email, Twitter, um, whatever. I would love to include some of your thoughts about Girl on Fire in next week's Comic Syllabus episode. And I just want to shout out a couple of Substacks. Um, Glass Eye Studios is the Substack um, outfit of Kari Randolph and Joanne Starer. Um, Starer is an editor, was an editor for like some Marvel Knights titles, and has done a lot of writing and a lot of um, you know uh, uh, cool, just cool projects. Uh, Kari Randolph, you might know, is the um, co-creator of Excellence. And there's a, a ton of comic, great comic stuff, um, as well as the current uh, uh, Static series and stuff like that. W- just one of the coolest artists um, out there. In you know, I really liked Excellence. Um, it, I should say it's ongoing. Uh, R- Randolph is no longer going to be drawing it, but um, it is he's still co-creating it. So, um, but their Substack Glass Eye Studios has. Uh, a project currently being published and a project in the works. Starer is writing um, a, a series with artist Gabo, and currently um, they're serializing, Randolph and Starer together are serializing a series called Sirens of the City. And I bring it up because there's something about the story DNA of Sirens of the City that's similar to this uh, Alicia Keys, Brittany Williams, Andrew Weiner um, comic uh, about sort of a girl who discovers her powers and uh they're powerful (laughs) and shocking and um and sort of coming to terms with their power in a world where so many things are stacked against them is a commonality um it's also this is also a thing about that is part of the star signs comic that i've already talked about a couple months ago on this podcast which is part of um saladin ahmed's uh, copper bottle substack so different substack now sorry if this is confusing uh saladin ahmed's um copper bottle is serializing another comic called star signs um which is by ahmed and and megan levins with kelly fitzpatrick sean lee and heather antos four chapters of that have come out um sometime ahead i'd love to just kind of like dig deep into into star signs check back in with star signs but that too has a similar flavor of a uh, a protagonist um 
a, a, a woman who's just finding out about powers. But then from there, obviously, goes to very different places. Um, but back to Sirens of the City and Glass Eye Studios. Um, I'm a huge fan of Kari Randolph. Uh, and uh, Randolph and Stare are sort of life partners as well. So there's this great um, synchronicity and sort of a creative energy and spontaneity to Sirens of the City. You can tell that they want to be responsive and 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 sort of um you know creating this story out loud in front of us so that that kind of watch being able to watch the creative process and where the the story leads and how you know uh you know it goes from from ideation to script to um, page uh, that's really what this Substack experience comics experience is is all about and what makes it so exciting um sirens of the city is about a character named layla who is um, sort of a runaway in the kind of 19, uh, you know, late 80s, early 90s New York. Uh, that's much more sort of like the gritty, grimy kind of New York. And Layla, in the very first chapter, is going to an abortion clinic where protesters harass her. Um, and in response, she discovers, again, these incredible powers that she has. Um, and we learn more about her in, in the subsequent two chapters that are out now at uh at glasseyestudios.substack.com so check that out um yeah that those are a couple of the substack series that also i'm keeping an eye on i'll, I'll be talking about i'm keeping an eye on maybe a glass eye for glass eye studios anyway shouts out to Car- kari randolph and joanne stair who have a good thing going over there at glass eye studios so those are some things i'm reading the thoughts i have and uh and i just want to thank you again for subscribing comic syllabus and um invite you like mark be like mark be like mark tweedo uh (laughs) let me know what you're reading let me know what you think about some of these things that i'm reading let me know what you think about some of these things i'm thinking uh (laughs) connect in whatever way and get the word out about comic syllabus and thank you so much all right y'all take care